Episode 8 Spirit of Darkness This is Casey James. I don't know where exactly I am. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot I don't know. But I'm going to figure it out. Let's go home, he said. But we do not head back into Kingsport. That would be too easy. Instead, Deacon and the silent gravedigger, Leon, lead the way through the woods and into a graveyard. This isn't like the forgotten, overgrown graveyard in the woods, where we found the sunken chapel and the labyrinth of caves and passages under it. This one is tidy, well kept. There's a low fence around the outside. More a marker than a way of keeping people out, or in, I suppose. I shudder as that thought settles into my brain. There's a gate, even though the fence is barely more than knee-high. Leon the gravedigger opens it, and Deacon follows him through. I balk, just outside the gate. Deacon! I say. Why are we at the graveyard? He turns back, and moonlight glints off his eyes the way it would off a cat's eyes. There's someone through here you need to meet, he says. I still don't step into the graveyard. It feels as though that one step is important somehow. Why? I ask. Because you don't just want to find a way out, do you, Casey? The gravedigger says, the first time he's spoken at all. You want to find someone. His voice doesn't match what I expected at all. He looks at me, and I'm reminded of the white rabbit next to the train station in my... Was it a dream? A dream inside a dream. But he looks at me with these dark, button-bright eyes, and all I can think of is the rabbit. How could you possibly know that? I ask. You have to look, he says. Questing. Come on, Casey, says Deacon, smiling. Don't start being boring now. I hesitate a moment longer, but I do take that one necessary step forward. No one can say I didn't choose to be here. Every step along the way, it's been my decisions getting me into trouble. I suppose Deacon's right. I've come this far. Why stop now? You'll want this, says Leon the gravedigger, and he pulls a slightly crumpled silk mask out of his pocket, and holds it out to me. He has three of them, it turns out. He gives one to Deacon, who shrugs and puts it on, and puts one on himself. I put mine on as well, and wonder what the hell is going on. 
What's going on is some sort of cultist party. A masquerade ball, even. We walk through the empty, quiet graveyard, and there's this low swell of weird music. And then we go into one of the crypts, and it's suddenly louder, like a warehouse party with really good sound insulation. The room is full of people, some of them in long black robes like the guys in the forest, others in ball gowns and suits, and some just in regular clothes like us. No one else is quite as scruffy and muddy as Leon, but also no one seems to care, or even notice, honestly. And everyone is wearing a mask. Some of them are simple fabric half-masks like ours. Others are gaudy sequin carnival masks, or painted and feathered like the ones you see in tourist photos of Venice. There are even a few wearing painted skull heads, like some Day of the Dead festival, or Halloween. And a few with sort of antler masks that give me the creeps. And there are trays of drinks and canapes on little tables and sitting on top of some of the statues and things, which seems weird. Who wants to have a cocktail party in a crypt? I mean, obviously these people do, whoever they are. Leon hurries us through the party, slipping between people quickly enough that no one tries to engage us in conversation, but slow enough not to draw attention. We duck out through a side door that I wouldn't have even noticed on my own, and the noise of the party dies down immediately as Leon shuts the door behind us. Who knew that solid stone walls were that good at dampening sound? It leaves us completely in the dark, though until Deacon turns his flashlight on again. Okay. Now what? I whisper. There are stairs in front of us, leading down into the gloom. Leon gestures at them. I glance at Deacon, and he says, After you, Casey. You have the flashlight. I say. He nods solemnly and hands it to me. That wasn't quite what I meant, but now I have the flashlight. So I head down the stairs. I hear Deacon and Leon on the staircase behind me, but I don't look back to check. Last time I went down any stairs in the dark and wasn't paying attention, I slipped and almost broke my neck. At the bottom of the stairs, there are fifty of them. There is a lake. The shore is made of smooth black pebbles, and the dark water laps at them gently, almost not moving at all. On either side of the staircase there is a statue, more than life-size, of a knight in full plate armour with the visor down, and about Five or six feet into the lake, there is a statue of a mermaid sitting on a rock, 
or a merman, rather, bare-chested and clearly not female, although he has the same long, wild hair you see on mermaid pictures and statues everywhere. All three of the statues are made of the same smooth, shiny black stone as the pebbles of the shore and the entire cave or crypt or whatever this place is. The same slick, gleaming stone as the monolith on the cliffside, I think. We stand there in silence for a moment. Then I glance at Deacon and say, So... Patience, he says quietly. So I wait. I stare at the dark water and listen to the silence, and I wait. So I see it when the merman moves. The stone merman. Moves. He twitches first, just a little fidget, like you'd shift a limb that's fallen asleep. Then he stretches, tilts his head one way and then the other, and turns to look at me. His skin is the glossy, slick black of wet stone, but his eyes gleam with phosphorescence, like a cat's eyes in the dark. At this point, this moment as he turns to face me with those eerily glowing eyes, I realize that I don't have any idea what he is. Merman doesn't describe him, not really. He has legs, which I can see clearly now that he's stretching them and sliding down the rock and into the water. But he's not human, either. Not even a statue of something human. Is he some sort of Rasalka, a drowned thing like the woman in the bathtub? Another vampire creature like the Vodniki of the bridge house, waiting to drag me under the surface and into some nightmarish aquatic realm, or just drown and eat me? Or is he something else? He stands in the lake, the water just a bit more than waist-deep on him, and he watches me while I stare at him. Then he raises one hand and beckons me closer, silently. His hair, black, slick stone, but it looks like hair and it, it moves like hair and I don't know if he is a statue after all. His hair trails down over his shoulders and into the water. He has the same, almost unreal look to him as the mist vampire in my dream, and it is very disturbing to me to realize that. I startle as Deacon puts a hand on my shoulder, then glance at him. He holds his hand out, and after a second of utter incomprehension, I put the flashlight in his hand. Then I say, I'm not going in there. Really? Says Leon. 
The sun's the safest incarnation of the spirit of the dark that you're likely to find. Took a bit of work to dig him up in the first place. Ehrlich Khan's people sniffing about, trying to summon other things through. Every water thing I've met has tried to eat me, kidnap me, or kill me, I tell him. This one won't, says Deacon. Trust me, Casey, it'll be fine. He'll let us pass. He gives me a little nudge towards the lake and takes a step down to the edge of the water himself. I stumble a bit, trying to dig my heels in. I guess we can try the woods if you'd rather, says Leon dubiously. But the virgin out there is the god of the hunt. Wait, I say. What? The virgin out there? It's midsummer, says Deacon, stepping into the water, apparently unconcerned about getting his shoes wet. That's why everything's happening tonight. Leon was telling me before, the people at the party up there, Ulit Khan's crew, the cultists, they've done something. Summon something's what they've done, says Leon. Something terrible called up the pale man they have. There's no getting back to Kingsport tonight without facing him one way or another. I thought you said there was someone you wanted me to meet down here, I say to Deacon. There is someone I want you to meet. But I don't mean the spirit of darkness. I mean old woman Hartsman, the knife maker who lives just outside of town. You're on a quest, aren't you? You need a sword. Oh. I say. Right. Then a second later. Then why do you want me to go into the lake? Got to face him one way or another, says Leon. Deacon says. There's a tunnel on the other side of the lake. It should bring us out right near Hartsman's cottage without going to the forest at all. Oh, I say again. I eye the merman, who just stands there, waiting, watching us. I'll go first, says Deacon. I think I know where to go. Luck to ye. I'll be heading back up myself. Don't want the party getting too loud. You remember where the tunnel is? Directly across, you said? Leon nods. Then he turns around and walks back up the stairs, vanishing into the dark. When I turn back, Deacon has already waded out into the lake with his flashlight. The merman hasn't moved from where he's standing, but as I watch, he turns his head, a smooth, eerie swivel like a robot, towards me. I keep watching him as I wade into the lake after Deacon. I don't like it, but I also don't like the idea of being left here alone in the dark, or trying to make my way back up the stairs and out through the party on my own. It's quiet, just the soft splash of the two of us walking through the water. I, I suppose I'm not moving as quickly as I should be. 
because Deacon keeps getting further and further ahead, the flashlight bobbing in the darkness and reflecting back up off the lake. I walk faster, but the water is almost hip-deep now, and there's only so fast I can walk. I really don't think anyone could blame me, with all of that, for losing track of where the merman is. And I do, until I realize that he's there beside me, a gleaming shadow wading through the hip-deep water. Gatekeeper? He says, and his voice is all water and echoes and silence. I don't think I hear it with my ears at all. What? I mutter, weary and grouchy in equal measure. I'm getting really tired of all the mysterious weirdness, and my feet are wet, my shoes are wet, and I think I have an adrenaline hangover. I also feel like it must be after midnight by now. And there's been an awful lot of literal running away the last few hours. Just curious. I wasn't certain that you knew. He says. It's been mentioned. I say quietly. Casey, you still with me? Calls Deacon from up ahead. I'm here, I call back. He turns and shines the flashlight across me, splashing the beam across my face before I can get a hand up to block the light. The water around me is empty, with no sign of the merman. Doing alright? We should probably hurry up. Deacon says. Not sure how long we've got to get across safely. I'm hurrying. I say. I take a last look around and start waiting after Deacon. It's only a few seconds before I notice the merman's presence beside me again. Following the herald through the dark already? Dangerous choices, gatekeeper, he says. Especially if you know what you're doing. I glance sideways at him. He's just this moving outline, gleaming edges of wet stone in the shadows, but his eyes are a dull, glowing red like embers, and the air smells of red wine and tar. I... I have no idea what's going on, actually, I say. When you work it out, Come and speak to me. In person, this time. I stumble, my feet sliding on the slippery rocks and sand that lie under the cold, dark water, but the merman catches my elbow before I can actually fall. His hand is cold and hard as stone. It is stone, and it makes shudders crawl up my arm and down my spine, but he doesn't do anything. He just holds onto my elbow for a second while I catch my balance, then lets go. There is definitely a current here, and I feel like it's getting harder and harder to move forward. 
like there's a tide pushing me back, making me work for each step I take. I can still see Deacon's flashlight up ahead, but it's getting further and further ahead of me, no matter how fast I try to wade. What do you mean, in person? I ask, after a beat of silence, struggling against the water while the merman moves easily beside me, matching his pace to mine. You didn't think I was actually here, did you? He replies, perfectly calm and somehow amused. Your guide wouldn't have tried crossing the river down here if I was. There is so much going on in that statement that I don't know where to start. I feel like I should know what to say, what to ask. If someone is finally willing to give me answers, I should take advantage of it. Instead I say, Who are you? You know me, Casey. He says. You came into my house, unwelcome, although I suppose I can hardly say you are uninvited, and closed the door I spent the last century building. I told it against you, though. It was clever, although you did shut yourself inside. I stumble again, but flinch away before he can help me this time. Why do they call you Dracula? I ask, before I can think better of it. Up ahead I can see a faint glow of light. Not just Deacon's flashlight, but proper light, daylight. The merman chuckles and stops walking. You'll have to find out, won't you? He says. I'll be seeing you, Casey James. His hand is chilled where it touches mine, just briefly, as it slips under the water, and then he's gone, vanished into the shadows as if he was never there. I can imagine Ariel scolding me as I hesitate, staring into the darkness. So I shake my head, and I carry on wading towards the light, and I try not to think about any of it, just for the moment. The lake bed. Riverbed? There is a current, so maybe it is a river, not just an underground lake like I thought. Anyway, it's slippery, more so now than before. More rocks and less sand, and the water is definitely moving along with me towards what must be an exit. I stumble my way out of the cave, following the gush of water spilling out and down the hillside into the grey light of the early morning. I fall twice on the slippery rocks and mud before I make it out of the water, which is more a fast-flowing stream than an actual river. And I have mud in my shoes, but I do make it out. Skinned knees, ripped jeans and all. Deacon is there, waiting for me on the bank, just as muddy and wet and looking exhausted. That was the easy way? I ask. He just nods. <laughs> <laughs>